All right. So uh, we decided that we wanted somebody to talk about budgeting as uh, with very limited income. Um, and I thought of Chris because of his Penny Forward podcast. And he happens to be a member of ACB Next Generation. So I will turn it over to Chris. Hi, thanks, Tyann. Is everybody able to hear me? And and uh, I do have my video on also. So if anyone you uh, sound yes. wonderful, sound amazing. Wow, I don't yeah. know how you look because you know it's a blind thing. <laughs> yeah. Because any sighted person out there got a good? Uh, make sure his video is good. I'll let, I'll let you know. We okay. Got- I can see him. He's centered. He's bright and awesome. Straight and everything. Hi. Oh, perfect. <laughs> All right. That's wonderful. <laughs> I got a brand new webcam, and this is the first time I'm using it. And uh, so, you know, it's a new toy. Um, hey, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Tyann, for asking me to do this. And, and thanks to uh, ACB of, of Oregon for having me. Uh, it's really an honor. This is the first. ACB state convention that I have spoken at since I started Penny Forward. So uh, it's kind of an exciting thing for me. Um, As Tyann said, I am Chris Peterson. I'm the president and CEO of Penny Forward, which is a small but fast-growing nonprofit organization whose mission is to help blind people build the knowledge to confidently navigate the complicated landscape of personal finance through education, mentoring, and mutual support. And as Tyann said, one of our most uh, out there in your face offerings, at least right now, is the Penny Forward podcast. Uh, But we also have a uh, monthly community call that we do with ACB Next Generation. We occasionally have some clubhouse chats uh, and... uh, And there's some other things that we're working on as well. And uh, longer term, we're developing uh, affordable and accessible one-on-one and group financial education programs, um, which will involve uh, electronic text, electronic Braille, described video, uh, you know, everything uh, everything is going to be uh, uh, totally accessible if you're blind or, or deafblind. At least that is our goal. So uh, uh, if you want to learn more about who we are and what we do and how you might be able to help us out, our website is pennyforward.com. It's really easy. It's just pennyforward.com. And if you don't get a question answered today and you would like to reach out to me, and I will give this out at the end again also, uh, our email address is pennyforward at pennyforward.com. Again, pennyforward at pennyforward.com. And uh, if you didn't get that, I will say it again later. All right. So uh, budgeting with a low income is hard, but you didn't need me to come here and say that because many of you live it. So you already know that. Um, And I wish that I could come here and say that there is a silver bullet but there's not. Um, There are things that we can do though. And during this talk, I'm going to give you some ideas of those things. Maybe not an exhaustive list, but uh, at least some ideas. 
Uh, we'll also open it up to you towards the end uh, for your comments and your questions. And maybe you have some ideas of your own that you want to share because uh, part of Penny Forward's mission is mutual support, which means that uh, I want us to be learning from each other, not just from me. So uh, budgeting is all about priorities. And so I want you to be thinking throughout this conversation about what is most important to you because that's really the most important question. What is most important to you? Is it, is it feeling good right now, today? Or is it feeling safe and secure today, next week, a year from now, into the future? Because those are the trade-offs that we're making when we budget. Now, the recommendation from many financial advisors as far as budgeting goes, is that we save 20% of our income. We spend 50% of our income on things that we need to, to uh, make our basic living expenses. This is like a, you know really important stuff like housing, food, shelter. I guess shelter is housing. Uh, you know, really, really the basics. And then 30% should be left for for fun stuff. Um, so let's talk about what that looks like if you are someone with a low income. And um, the numbers that I'm going to give you are a little high for some people, and they're a little low for other people because um, the, the types of benefit programs that we have available to us uh, pay out at different rates. And some of us have other sources of income besides those benefit programs also. So you can't really uh, you can't really create a one size fits all <clears throat> um, view of this, but uh, this is uh, this is going to give you an idea of what it might be like for something that might be in uh, some of your your income ranges. So, assuming that you make one thousand dollars a month. Again, some of you are going to be higher. Some of you are going to be a little lower than that. Um, and uh, I, I sure hope that some of you are much higher than that. Um, a financial advisor would recommend that you'd be saving $200 a month and that you would spend $500 a month on your basic needs and that you'd have $300 a month left to spend on other stuff. That, that's the fun stuff. Well, that doesn't seem possible, does it? It would be really hard because uh, $500 to meet your basic needs. I don't know of any place that I can rent uh, just to live, to put a roof over my head, that I can pay less than $500 for. It may exist, but it's a really hard thing to do. So just, just, just housing yourself would be hard to do if you budgeted $500 to meet your basic needs. But some people might be able to do it. And if they can, then uh, that's great. Um, I, I think we should aspire to that if that's possible for our particular situation. Um, now, I worked with somebody just recently who's making a lot more than $1,000 a month, uh, but his rent was $735 a month. What a lucky guy. That's amazingly low. And uh, that even might be possible for, for 
many of us, uh, even on low incomes, to find rents that are in the $735, $800 range. But then you kind of ask yourself, well, is it safe? Is it convenient for transportation if I got to get to places? Because housing isn't really useful if I can't get anywhere to leave it. Um, and those are all questions you have to weigh. So sometimes housing can be much more expensive. But uh, uh, you know, if, if you talk to a financial advisor, they might recommend that, gosh, you got to live somewhere where you, you have enough, uh, uh, your, your rent is low enough that you could spend $500 on just your food and your shelter and your, your basic needs. Uh, unfortunately, we don't live in that ideal world and I'm not a financial advisor. I'm a financial educator. So I'm telling you what they recommend. And then I'm telling you that it's okay to adjust those numbers to meet your needs. But I do want to suggest that you try to focus on the priorities that a budget like this lays out. So I would like to see you, no matter what your income, put away something in savings. Maybe that person that's uh, making $1,000 a month, maybe they can't put $200 away every month. But could they do $100? Eh, maybe. It, it seems hard, doesn't it? Seems hard, but you know, depending on someone's uh, someone's life circumstances, someone might be able to do it. Um, especially if they, um, if 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 that gives them six hundred dollars a month to meet their basic needs instead of the five hundred dollars a month, makes that piece just a little bit easier. Now, makes it even more easier if you kind of give up the uh, the nice to haves a little bit more and you say. Well, you know, maybe instead of uh, putting $300 a month towards my nice-to-haves, maybe I'm going to put $200 a month toward that. Well, now I have $700 a month that I can spend on my basic needs. But I still have a little bit of money to have fun with, and I'm still putting away a little bit of money for the future because the future is important. If you need to, you can adjust that even further. Maybe give yourself uh, $50 a month in savings and give yourself $150 for the fun stuff. Or maybe $100 for the fun stuff. My point is, is that rather than listening to a financial advisor who is going to very rigidly tell you that you should be meeting these particular numbers... I would like to see you think real hard about what is most important to you. And I hope that when you think about that long and hard, you're going to decide that saving is most important to you because it puts you in a position to take advantage of rare opportunities. If, if something changes and something comes up and you find a job and you got to spend money to get that job or or maybe buy clothes to go to the interview or something. You got a little bit of an, uh, a little bit in savings that you can you can uh, handle that situation with. What if something bad happens? Savings can help you weather hard times. If something bad happens, you get uh, um, you miss a check because there's a government shutdown. <laughs> I wish that was a, a rare thing, but it seems like that that is. Uh, um, 
it seems like that is becoming more and more frequent with the with the political climate we live in. So that's a real possibility. Uh, let's say that the Social Security Administration just uh, does their their review of your case and says, "Well, we overpaid you, and now we got to cut your check back by fifty bucks or a hundred bucks." It happened to me when I was on Social Security a number of different times, and I'm pretty sure that it was not my fault most of the time. Uh, they, you know, as much as as much as we can report on stuff and and uh, try to make sure that we're doing the right thing, they can make these random decisions that can affect your life. And having a little bit of savings to get by while you try to straighten that out can be very very helpful. So that is why I hope that. When you think about what is most important to you, savings will be at the top of your list. Clearly, meeting your basic needs, eating, putting a roof over your head, keeping yourself warm, keeping yourself safe, those are your basic needs. Clearly, that is the next most important thing. So you might be asking yourself, Chris, why uh, why are you saying that's not as important as saving. Well, meeting your basic needs is very, very important. And for some of us, not being able to meet our, our basic needs is a real possibility that we live with every day and uh, makes our lives very stressful and very scary. But the thing is, is that you can never, you can never get out of that situation if that's what you're always continually focused on. People that do get out of that situation are people that are focused on figuring out how to do that. And saving is a component of that. There are other components of that as well, but saving is a component of that, even if you can only save a little tiny bit. And I hope that it's obvious that that everything else, that money that's left to spend after you take in into account those two very basic needs. That's nice to have. We can live without that. We can live without those things. It makes us uncomfortable. Maybe we can't always do the things that our friends are doing. We can't always have the things that our friends have. Um, Maybe we're not even eating the kinds of foods we like best or drinking the kinds of drinks we like best. But if we're able to put that, put those, those, those nice-to-haves aside at least a little bit, maybe make some sacrifices here and there with the idea that things are going to get better later on, uh, things will get better later on. It's all about putting in that work. Um, so how would we make a budget? fit on numbers like this. And let's just say, for the sake of argument, let's just say that we are putting away $50 a month towards savings, and we are giving ourselves $50 a month for fun stuff, and the other $900 is meeting our basic needs, just meeting our basic needs. Well, the first thing is, how do we fit into that $900 budget. It's hard, um, especially because housing is very expensive. So there are housing assistance programs 
And the one in Oregon can be reached. I'm going to give you their 800 number right now. At 800-955-2232. Again, 800-955-2232. If you're just struggling to be able to, to pay your rent, they might be able to help you. And if they can't help you, they may be able to point you in the direction to, to get some help with that. Another thing, and this doesn't work for everybody, but it's something we need to think about is living with somebody else. Uh, living alone, it can be very, very hard to, uh, to live on, on incomes like this, but living with a, another person can make it possible. Uh, I worked with last year a couple who were both collecting $787 a month in SSI, which um, works out to be uh, a little bit over $1,600 between the two of them a month. Uh, so they had, they had the ability when they combined their incomes to be able to afford a little bit nicer apartment, a little bit bigger apartment, a little bit more conveniently located apartment, but they still did need to take advantage of some of these, um, these, these types of assistance programs that I talk about. Um, okay. So let's say you've got housing taken care of. Before I move on from housing, I, I do want to point out living with someone is not always an option for for everybody. I get that. And I don't want to see you live with somebody who is abusive or who affects your judgment in ways that makes you make bad decisions. Um, if the only choice of a roommate or a partner that you have is somebody that is abusing you or that is influencing you to make bad decisions in some other way, then find another way. Find another way to take care of that housing, um, the housing affordability problem. It, it's, um, that's really important. But living with somebody could be a solution, and it has other benefits besides, um, besides uh helping to to spread out the uh the the costs um living with somebody uh that is a good friend or a uh, a healthy romantic partner can make you feel good it can help with things like depression um that person can be a support system if you're struggling there's just all kinds of good reasons to to think about that as a as a possibility um for your for your mental health, um, if nothing else. So um, you know, do consider that, but don't, don't, don't um, do that if that's going to put you in the situation of of being in an abusive uh, situation or or a situation where somebody's you know just just uh, like pressuring you to make decisions that that are not in your best interests. Okay. So the next thing. Uh, assuming that you got housing taken care of, sometimes um, housing covers utilities like water, electricity, 
uh, heat in the winter. You don't have winters like we, uh, in Oregon, like we have in Minnesota, but it still gets cold there. I know that because I have gotten guide dogs in Oregon before, and sometimes you do need to, to turn on the heat. So, um, there are programs that can assist you with the costs of that. Um, and if you are a low, uh, if you are making a low, lower income, um, you may want to consider getting access to these programs if you qualify. And if you're on SSI, if you're getting SNAP benefits, uh, you probably do qualify. And if that can help you to meet your basic needs and even fall under that budget of say eight or $900 a, a month or so, then, uh, you know, put the money that you save by doing that into that savings part that, that I think is the most important part. That's why we use these programs is, is so that we can put money into savings. We can um, put ourselves in a, in a situation where we can use the, the small resources we have to make our lives better. So utility bill payment assistance in Oregon. The phone number is one 800 Four five three five five one one. Again, one eight hundred four five three five five one one. And I am happy to get these phone numbers. Uh, and there are also websites available. I was able to find all this stuff on Google. You know, just in about uh, 10, 15 minutes of research doesn't mean that, that it's going to be as easy to get access to these programs as it was just to find them, but uh, finding them is half the battle. Um, I'm happy to get this to uh, a convention coordinator or something um, so that if you need these numbers, you didn't get them during the presentation, uh, we can get them to you. Um, and That uh, would since- be great, Chris, if you could just get them to Tyanne. I was and, just, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just we'll going to say, website, since so. I'm directly uh, in communication with Tyann, I will send them to her. Great. Thank you. All right. Um, there's a third thing that for, I would argue in this day and age for all of us is kind of a basic need. And that is internet access or at least phone service. Um, I would argue that today, internet access is probably more important than having a a landline telephone um, for most of us. It allows us to participate in things like this, where we learn a ton of useful stuff. Um, It allows us to look for jobs. It allows us to uh, start online businesses. Um, In fact, uh, a woman that uh, transcribes my podcast as, as a side job that she has uh, lives in Portland, Oregon. Um, and, uh, we work together entirely online and, uh, internet access makes that possible. So, um, there are ways to get discounts on your internet bill. And, and, uh, again, we take advantage of these so that we can put a little bit of extra money towards saving, or we can try to, uh, so that we have a little bit set aside to take advantage of rare opportunities or weather hard times. Uh, so a phone number for trying to get uh, uh, discounts on your internet service is 800-848-4442. That number again, 800 
848-4442. Now those just cover some of the basic things. I didn't cover food. There are uh, there are, are programs like Snap um, that uh, I'm going to guess that if you need a program like that, you're probably familiar with it. Um, but if you're not familiar with it, I would be happy to try to find um, find uh, a connection for you to get uh, that if that's something that you need. So uh, please reach out to me at pennyforward at pennyforward.com and uh, we can talk if, if there's uh, things that you're struggling with um, that make it hard for you to, to, uh, uh, to implement the rec- the things that I'm recommending here. All right. We're 36, uh, we're at 36 past the hour and I want to get through the rest of this so that I can open it up for questions with, uh, um, with plenty of time for people who are having, having them. So there's things that we can do with our own behavior and, you know, that there's, there's all kinds of things that are out of our control, right. That, that, that put us into these situations, but our behavior, uh, really does play a part in, um, in our financial lives in, uh, lots of different ways. Uh, not just our financial lives either. So one of the things that I want to encourage you to do is eat healthy. And that can be hard when you're on a, uh, when you're on a budget, when you're on a low income, healthy foods can be and, and seem to be expensive. Um, however, uh, there will be a, uh, an episode of the Penny Forward podcast coming out uh, in a few weeks. It's going to talk about eating healthy on a budget from a uh, uh, um, from a nutritionist, and uh, as a part of that episode, uh, we learned some things that I'll, I'll give you a sneak peek at here. When you eat healthy foods, you are not as hungry as often. So even though healthier foods seem like they're more expensive, you can save money by eating healthy. You save money in other ways too. Um, you may end up going to the doctor less, uh, and going to the doctor less, you know, even if your doctor's bills are all covered or something, you may have a copay that you have to pay. You may have to pay for transportation to get to the doctor. Um, it just may take away from time you might put into, uh, something like an online transcription business as, as maybe an example. So, uh, so eat healthy. Drink lots of water. And some of you are probably going, Chris, what are you talking about? Why did you come here and tell me to drink lots of water? Well, I have two reasons for this. One is water is almost entirely free. And two, water is really good for you. It's way better and way cheaper than things like soda, uh, than things like alcoholic beverages, and it's just so good for you. Does it always taste as good? No. Sometimes our like tap water can taste bad. Sometimes our uh, um, sometimes our our uh, tap water, even when it tastes good, doesn't have a lot of flavor. It's not as fun. But drink lots of water. And if you got to go and get yourself a water filter to make your water taste good, do that. Uh, water bottles are, you know, just a, a dime a dozen. They're all over the place. 
um, get yourself one, carry it around. I do it all the time um, so that I can put a cap on it because I'm always knocking stuff over and spilling it. Um, but just drink lots of water. You'll find yourself saving money um, just by doing that. Don't smoke. Hope you don't anyway, because it's not good for you. But if you do smoke, think about quitting. Smoking is really, really expensive. And tobacco companies intentionally target people on low incomes. So think about what's most important to you. Smoking feels good. Um, But uh, if you quit smoking, how much money would you have to put away towards savings or to put away towards meeting your basic needs in a, in a way that makes you just a little bit more comfortable. So don't, don't smoke, don't drink, uh, don't drink alcohol or don't drink very much. And these are not absolutes, but alcohol again is, is quite expensive and, uh, drinking alcohol can also affect our judgment if we drink a lot of it. And, uh, can cause us to spend money that we don't have to spend. Uh, how, how many times have you been, um, you know, uh, maybe out drinking and you just decide to have another drink because it's fun and you're feeling good, even though maybe that isn't your best choice for your financial life. So uh, don't drink. Finally, ask yourself, whenever you make a spending decision, how will this make you feel now? How will it make you feel next week? And how will it make you feel next year? So I'm going to take that drinking alcohol uh, um, comment that I just made, and I'm I'm going to use that as an example. But you know, if you don't drink alcohol, I can I can pull out other examples too. Um, so, let's say I'm out with my friends, and I have the choice to buy a an alcoholic beverage. Let's say a beer, maybe costs five bucks, or a soda. Maybe the soda costs two fifty, or 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 just order a glass of water, and maybe that costs nothing. Um, and so I kind of, I kind of got to ask myself, well, a beer could be, I like beer. I like beer a lot. So a beer could make me feel really, really good right now. Uh, and it might even make me want to have another beer because the first beer tasted really good and that'll make me feel good right now. But how will it make me feel tomorrow? If I got, if I've had too many, it probably won't make me feel good. I might be a tad hungover. So I got to talk that through myself with myself in my head right then. But I also have to say, well, let's say I have three beers and I spent 15 bucks. Well, how am I going to feel about having spent that 15 bucks tomorrow? When I need to go to the grocery store and um, and I'm almost out of money. 
or I've run out of something and I need to go and pick it up quick. Well, if I spent that 15 bucks and it was the only 15 bucks I have, then than I had, then it might not make me feel so good to, uh, to have those three beers. So have that conversation with yourself just real quick. How's it going to make me feel now? Good. How's it going to make me feel tomorrow? Yeah, potentially not so good. How's it going to make me feel next week? I don't know. Potentially even worse if I'm really on a low income and I and I've completely run out of money and I don't get my next paycheck for another week. Next week could be kind of rough. How's it going to make me feel next year? Well, this is a hard one because I might not even remember that I chose to have those beers a year from now. But if I saved money by having those, by uh, not having those beers, and I put that money away in savings, and now suddenly I have $500 in a savings account that I could spend on an emergency or you know, even a nice to have or something once in a while to treat myself. Um, not having those beers could make me feel pretty good next year, depending on the, the, you know, what I do with the, the money that I save by not having those beers. So keep those questions in mind, even when you're making food choices, like if I have the choice to eat out or eat at home, is eating out going to make me feel good now? Yeah, because maybe I'm lazy. Maybe I don't have any food in the house and I'm hungry and um, and I just got to eat. And I'm tired, whatever the reasons may be. How's it going to make me feel tomorrow? Could still be good if I have leftovers because then I get to enjoy the leftovers. But how about next week? Well, again, what if you spent 40 bucks on a meal? And the next week you run out of money and your paycheck's not coming for another week and a half. And, and uh, you need to, to pick something up that you've run out of that costs 30 bucks. Shoot. And if I didn't eat out that one time, then I would have had that 30 bucks. Was it going to make you feel next year? Again, we come back to the, uh, you know, the question of, of what did you do with that money that you didn't spend on, on that, that stuff. Did you put it away in savings and has that savings been growing? And do you feel good that you have that extra money set aside that you could use for, for a rare opportunity or to weather a hard time? Um, or have you, have you not put anything away in savings and are you still kind of just stuck where you are? It's the difference between feeling hopeful and hopeless. So I think I've given you some things to think about. Again, there's not a lot of time here. And, and believe me, I could go a lot longer in talking about this than I have. But uh, uh, I think it's time now to open it up for questions. Okay. And Chris, we do have you on the schedule till um, 4.30. So. Um, oh, do you? And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this is funny because I, uh, um, I was thinking that it was... Uh, uh, that it was three fifteen to four o'clock, but then I, I caught oh. the end of Lisa's uh, 
uh, the end of Lisa's presentation, and she thought hers was ending earlier too. So yeah, uh, we kind of changed the schedule. Okay, um, you know, a month or so back, but you know, things happen, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. um, that's that's happy. Then uh, yeah. you know, I I could uh, if, if there aren't any questions, there are other things that I can yeah. cover here. But Actually, uh, I have a, a couple things I'd like to uh, mention. One is you talk about eating healthy, then not going out to eat, and you know statistically going out to eat, you're going to get a lot more calories, a lot more stuff in there. That's not as healthy mm -hmm. as prepping something from home. So those kinds of things kind of benefit each other. Um, yep. Yep. And then, you know, the other thing I I've lived when my older kids were little, they were under the age of five. And I tell people, yeah, I lived on $700 a month and I paid four twenty-five a month rent. Mm -hmm. And thank you to my mom and sister for buying clothes for my kids when they were little. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, my life is not that um, tough now at the time I was going to college and stuff. But, um, you know, there's always the, the tricks of that. Like, you know, hey, it's payday. You go buy all the essentials first. You know, yep. make sure you're going to have all that stuff so that you're, you're covered till payday. Okay, I may not like to eat. Um, you know, I may not want to eat rice all the time, but you know, it's inexpensive and it gets you through. So there's always kinds of things to do. Um, another thing in Oregon, um, you're not from Oregon, so you may not have known this is the public utilities commission does provide, will provide a free iPhone or iPad to people um, who are legally blind. And there's other programs. Um, if you're dual loss with hearing loss also that can get equipment and it doesn't pay the service, um, but it can help with a smart device. Mm -hmm. I can. Um, yeah, I can. I can, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't, thanks. I couldn't remember the name. Um, the other thing is, I was wondering if you could talk about a little bit is, you know, you talk about savings, which is really important. But, you know, most of the time, people are limited to having $2,000 in assets if you're on SNAP benefits or mm -hmm. other, other things. So SSI, SSDI. Yeah. How do you, SSDI doesn't matter, but, um, yeah. you know, how do you get around that if you're trying so, to save for your future? So first of all, um, that that's true. Um, there's a thing that there's a thing that is, is generally referred to as means tested benefits. And, and these are benefits that are contingent on the amount of income that you have. And also the, the amount of assets that you have or resources that you have. Um, and we just kind of heard a list, SSI, SS, uh, SSI, SNAP, and Medicaid are, are kind of the big three that I can think of right off the top of my head. Uh, um, it's correct that SSDI is different. Um, however, there are quite a few blind people that have a combination of SSI and SSDI. So, you know, it's a, um, and, and may, may not even entirely realize that. So, um, it's understandable that people get confused by that. If you are, um, if you are making, say, a thousand dollars a month, um, it may take you quite a while to accumulate two thousand dollars in assets, and that's okay because having two thousand dollars just by them by itself lets you pay for maybe two, maybe three months, depending on, on the way that your budget is, is set up of your basic needs. If something really goes wrong, 
Um, so, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to, to just not save anything because of that $2,000 limit, because it's going to take you a while to get there. Um, once you do get there, there's a few different things that you can do. Um, one of the easiest is to set up an ABLE account. Um, ABLE is, uh, it, it stands for Achieving a Better Life Experience. Um, and it is legislation that was passed by uh, the federal government in 2015. ABLE programs started to become available in 2016, so they're, they're really quite new. Um, but Oregon does have an ABLE program. Uh, setting up an ABLE yes, account. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Setting up an ABLE account allows you to save money uh, beyond that $2,000 limit. You can save, you can have up to $100,000 of savings uh, before they will cut off your, your SSI benefits or um you know, your, some of your other means tested benefits. And it really depends on the program because not every program like Medicaid doesn't have those kinds of limits. Um, SSDI doesn't have uh, exactly those kinds of limits. The rules are a little bit different. Um, SNAP is a little bit different, but um, an ABLE account is really uh, probably the easiest way for us to go at this point. Now let's say that you're saving for something specific, like I want to go to, I want to go to college, or I want to buy a house, or I want to start a business. Well, then there's something called an individual development account, and these things are a little bit harder to get, um, and they're a little bit more restrictive on how you can spend them. But one of the nice things about them is is that when you have one, it doesn't affect your means tested benefits. And if you have one, there is an organization that is matching the amount of money that you're putting in that so that if you put in a dollar, you get another dollar put into that account. Um, and that helps you to save for education or for a, for a, a down payment on a first home um, or for starting a business more quickly. Um the episode of the Penny Forward podcast this week is about a guy who uh, is visually impaired. He lost his job in 1998 because uh, his his vision started to worsen and he was unaware of what kinds of resources were available to him. He ended up, uh, was a single father, raised, uh, raised his daughters in low-income housing uh, you know, just to, with, with, uh, he had a, a pension cause he worked for the federal government for the IRS. So he, did, he had a small pension, he had, uh, social security, um, and, uh, he was able to do some odd jobs like mowing people's lawns and stuff for a while. Um, so he was making about $1,100 a month throughout all this, but he found some of these resources, including an individual development account. He was able to buy his first home in 20, in 2010 and he paid off his entire mortgage by 2017. So, you know, it's not going to be able to happen for everybody and maybe not everybody even wants to do that, but things like that are possible. So, uh, to, to summarize, uh, an ABLE account 
is a good uh, good thing. And uh, maybe you might want to consider an individual development account also. Um, and finally, if if uh, um, you have no other choice, um, there is something called a special needs trust. This is something that is kind of expensive to set up and must be administered by a friend or family member and um, you know can help you to uh, they basically can spend money buy things out of that special needs trust on your behalf but you don't have control of of the money that's in there so um, and you're also not allowed to contribute your own money to the trust uh, so, you know, it's it's kind of the the last ditch thing for many of us because uh, um, able accounts and um, individual development accounts are are so much um, so much easier options and give us so much more control than a special needs trust does. And and I do want to mention, you know, I I looked into the able account thing, so I am, um, you know, I do get SSDI, but I work in addition, yeah. and so there is that financial limit that I can earn over $2,000 a month and not touch my SSDI. Um, and I come up against that quite often. And so, you know, I, I can um, change things. And one clarification I did find out, or unless I'm wrong, is that that ABLE account, if I put money in there, it doesn't change that limit. I still can't earn over that limit as far as SSDI social security is concerned. No, you're, you're right. You can't, yeah. um, it isn't, it is a way for, for you to put money away in savings. Um, you still have advantages with an ABLE yeah. account. Yeah. Um, there's tax advantages. There's other things. Mm -hmm. um, so, it, you know, definitely it's still worth having in, in your particular case. But um, the, the best way to keep yourself under that $2,000 limit is to be aware of the types of blind work expenses that you can report to the social security administration, oh, yeah. um, yep. make use of all of those as much mm -hmm. as you can, because you're probably spending a lot more money than you think you are to work. And, uh, um, and so you, you know, you probably can be making more, uh, and still collecting those SSDI benefits. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at knowing what those expenses are. <laughs> okay. So, so, yeah. um, contributions into the ABLE account, is that pre-tax? Um, uh, contributions are after tax. Okay. Taking money out and spending it on expenses is, is, uh, the, the principal and the growth are tax-free. Okay. So that's where the the that's one of the tax advantages. The other okay. tax advantage, if you are, um, if you are not contributing to an employer's retirement account, like a four hundred one k or something, mm -hmm. um, you're allowed to contribute more per year to your able account. Um, it's a, about an additional twelve thousand dollars, so you can use it as as if it's a retirement account. It's still after tax. Um, but you're also, depending on your income, you could be eligible for a couple of different tax credits. Um, one of them is called the Savers Credit, um, and that can take uh, oh, about $2,000 or so off of your, your tax bill at the end of the year if, if you're contributing to an ABLE account, depending on how much nice. you put in. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Hello. Um, you 
said something that caught my ear, which is the special needs trust. I have um, a daughter that lives in adult foster care, and it's looking like my second daughter is going to go there. Mm-hmm. Can you go more into that, or is that something I should email you about? Because I don't know how many other people have that situation on here. So yeah, it you know it's it's honestly something that maybe we should email each other back and forth about. Um, that actually may be a a way of of you setting aside money for your kids, um, which would be a really great thing to do because they probably are going to need it. And um, yeah, they they both have yeah. able accounts already. But it's like, ooh, if there's another way to do it, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So the the thing about the difference between able accounts and special needs trusts is that the special needs trust is something that 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 you you would set up and you would have control over as as their parent. Um, the able account is technically something that they have control over. Um, yes. There's there's exceptions to that, like if you have a guardianship or you know power of attorney that kind of thing, yep. um, where they're not able to make their own decisions. But for for most of us, uh, or I'm not going to say most of us, for those of us who are just blind, um, we know people uh, who are are only blind, have no other disabilities, and who have like guardianships that their parents have imposed on them. Um, yeah, we do. And, um, and people want to get out of that. It's, you know, it takes away control that doesn't need to have been taken away because these people are capable of making their own decisions. And of course, then there's Britney Spears, which has been big in the news that, you know, that her, her father had a conservatorship over her that she fought for a long time to, to get herself out of. So, um, so, and a, a special needs trust is a little bit like that in that um, the person that is the beneficiary of that trust can't put money into the trust and they also can't take money out of it. They can ask, they could like ask you, like if you're the, if the, you're the executor of the trust, they can say, Hey, I, you know, can you buy me this? And you can say, yeah, I can spend the money out of the trust to do that. Um, but you can always tell them no. So for somebody that is not able to make any of their own financial decisions, um, the uh, a special needs trust doesn't scare me as much because um, you know because I I'm not so concerned about taking that control away. However, uh, you know I there's a really slippery slope there, so it's, it's something oh, I, I just want to call out. Um, but 100%. Uh, I'm I'm right there with you. If yeah. She didn't have significant brain damage. I'd right. be like hundred percent like no, because because the other one who's looking at needing to go, there's nothing wrong with her brain. She can totally handle her financial stuff. But the other, the older one, yeah, no. Unfortunately yeah. not. Yeah. So and and you're you're you best know know your situation, but that is that is in a sense for the all of everybody listening. That is the difference between a special needs trust and an able account that I think is most significant to the the beneficiary. Uh, you you as as the beneficiary of your able account, you own it. You can put money into it. Other people can too, but you get to decide when you spend that money and how you spend that money. Uh, a special needs trust um, has to be 
it's not something you own. That's not your money. It's money that's spent to help you, but somebody else makes the decision of, of when and how that money can be spent beyond that, like to get into the details of whether it's right for your kids. Um, I'm let's totally talk going to email you. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Hey, we have some questions. Uh, Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Chris. Excellent. Awesome presentation. Thank you. Um, could you talk about the benefits of uh, being self-employed and maybe um, sole proprietor versus having an LLC? Yes. Uh, and again, I'm going to talk in general terms here. If you want to go mm-hmm. into more specifics, email me. Yes. Um, an LLC is a corporation, um, which means that from the government's perspective, it is a separate, I don't know, think of it as a separate person or a a completely separate entity. Um, So the advantages there are if you're self-employed and somebody sues you or you can't pay the bills and you go into collections or something, that goes to the corporation, not to you yourself. Um, And if the corporation doesn't have the money, it, it can't pay, but there's there's some protection there for your personal assets, like your personal business, um, where, where uh, a, a debt collector, for example, could not come and um, try to collect money from you personally uh, for a bill that the corporation owes. So that's, that's why people have LLCs, even for, for businesses that they run just by themselves, is to protect themselves from stuff like that, uh, lawsuits and you know maybe debt collection and stuff that might come up in the future. Um, beyond that, the taxes work a little differently for sole proprietorships and, um, and LLCs. Um, and um, you know that's, that's, that's kind of the main, the main differences. Um, a lot of people start out as a sole proprietor just to see if it like if business works for them. Um, if their business is going to take off and then they convert it to an LLC a little bit later as you know, if they start to get more successful and they start to spend more money on their business and, and, and also have more money coming in where, you know, if you got, uh, you got 500 customers, um, and you know, there's maybe more of a chance that one of those customers is going to be unhappy with, with the way that you did business with them and try to sue you or something. And then you might feel the need to protect yourself more than you would if you had five customers. Does that help? And Chris? Yeah, that helps. And is there a difference in terms of how you have to deal with social security while you're in this whole process? Yes. Yes, there is. Um, so uh, the, the corporation is is a totally separate entity. Uh, in other words, when, um, when a customer of yours pays a corporation for a service, they're not paying you directly. Social, social security can't count that as income to you unless you initiate a payment from the corporation to yourself, like you give yourself a paycheck. So 
uh, you know, particularly when we start out with, with, uh, starting a business, you might, you might use most of the income that you have from the business to grow the business. Like, you know, I've got five customers, they're paying me some money. I'm going to spend a lot of that money on, on things that I need to, to do a better job of, of running the business for them. Like, a you know, computers, um, uh, supplies, stuff like that. And then I also am going to spend a bunch of money on advertising to try and get more customers. As you get further on, then you might choose to, to give yourself a paycheck. And um, you could, as an example, choose to uh, give yourself uh, a smaller paycheck if giving yourself that smaller paycheck might help you to retain your social security benefits. Um, so that uh, that may indeed uh, make a difference. Yeah, this is uh, Pat. Hi, Pat. How are hey, you? Chris, you, you're doing an awesome job, dude. I, I've been in um, self-employment for a good portion of my life. And I'm, I'm Teresa and Desiree um, kind of took part of my thunder away, but that's okay because we're all a team. And the thing out here is, we're always looking for ways to save dollars. And I think being self-employed, even if you're just doing a little thing from home that, that can bring you a few dollars, there's ways to take a little bit of your basic budget and kind of incorporate a little bit of that into your business. So it can alleviate a little bit of those problems when you're working with different departments, agencies and stuff, because your overhead is kind of transferred like you like you've been talking about here but you got to be careful cuz i know you got tax things and you got to mm-hmm. make sure you're not breaking any laws but yep. the thing is is i think it it helps people look at their self-worth and gives them a, a better understanding of doing something with their day and I, and i th- i think that's part of it because people do get frustrated and, and because of the virus i think people are really looking at how can I save and make my life more positive? And I, mm-hmm. I think your talk today has been outstanding in that way. Thank you, Pat. I really appreciate it. Um, and you're right. You know, let's say, let's say you uh, you need a new laptop computer. Well, if your business is mostly operated online and you have an LLC, have your LLC buy that laptop computer um, because. You got to use it to do business. Um, you know that's that's some ways where you can honestly kind of uh, you know shift uh, as as Pat was saying the uh, um, you know some of your your personal expenses over to your uh, to your corporation or to your business. Um, you know things like having a cell phone and stuff uh, kind of work the same way. the The disadvantage to doing that is that you know because those might then be business business expenses, um, you know, you may have trouble getting some of the kinds of discounts that you would get from, uh, you know, from, from some of the assistance programs that we were talking about earlier, but you know, it's all a bunch of trade-offs and, and, uh, um, being in business for yourself, uh, can, uh, even if it's just a little tiny business is something that people really enjoy and, and can really make a big difference. in, as you said, your self-worth and, um, you know whether you're able to 
achieve some of these goals that we talked about at the beginning about, about savings and stuff. So um, thank you so much for your comments. Uh, who else is, is uh, waiting? Darian. Hi, Darian. Hey, hi, Chris. Um, I had an in individual development account mm -hmm. and it, um, I worked through a center who partnered with a company called community assistant community and shelter assistance and CASA matched whatever I needed to spend three to one. Mm. So it helped me grow my business. I was able to get my um, first month office rent and um, get into a boot camp where I learned about a credentialer who enrolled me on um, in insurance panels. I'm a therapist. And now because of finding that resource that I wouldn't have found without entering that, you know, using my IDA account to go to the boot camp, um, I've pretty much tripled my income. And okay. today you reminded me that I could use that process to buy a home, but I had to take um, a whole bunch of classes, including mm -hmm. a three-part series financial management class before I could access my savings. And the, the savings had to re stay in the account for six months before I could access it. So um, do you know if all of, like, how do you find a partnering program that will help admin help you with your IDA account? And do you know if they all make you take a jump through a bunch of hoops, like taking six months worth of classes? I, I don't know all of the details uh, of, of that. Um, my, I, I'm going to speculate that yes, they probably all make you take, uh, take some classes or, or jump through some kinds of hoops. Uh, the, the point of an IDA is to, to do with it the kinds of things that you did like to, to help to grow your business and stuff. And, and they want to really make sure that you're successful at it because it's not just your money that's going in. It's also, um, you know, it's also another organization's money. So, mm. um, so I, I think that's a reasonable ask for them to, to ask you to go through those as far as finding partner organizations. Uh, there is a website whose URL is is long enough that you know if I gave it to you it would be a pain to write down but I'll send it to Tyann to get um, to get to everybody uh, that has a current list of of partner organizations around the country for IDAs thank you yeah um, right. also thank you thank you for telling your story I'm I'm really glad to hear it and uh, um, Stories like yours are things that I try to feature on the Penny Forward podcast. So if you if you're ever interested in maybe coming on and telling that publicly, I would love to talk to you further. I am, and I will email you. Thank you. Love that. Thank you. In fact, I know you're transcriber, and I thought of her, and I thought, oh, there's a job you can do, and she's already doing it for you because I emailed <laughs> her. So uh, yep. cool, cool yeah. stuff. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think uh, Anna's been doing really, really great at that, and she's—I uh, think she's really gotten a kick out of being able to um, to turn that into a, a business. All right, Deb Marinos. 
Hi, I'm really enjoying your talk. I volunteer at an organization called Love Inc. Mm-hmm. And part of the hard thing that you were talking about is to know which agencies or how or when or where. So my job when someone walks through the door is to know what's available. A lot of it's county by county or state, you know, even the, um, oh, even the utility bill thing, there's a whole way you get it and a way you don't. So my job was to educate people and then to know, Hey, no, don't bother going there. You're not going to get it or do that. But one of the big things we have here, and I think it's nationwide for the United (laughs) Way, but um, if you do get some money ahead and you want to move into a new apartment and you don't have the deposit, the initial first and last, there's um, organizations that will pay that for you. Mm-hmm. And so that makes a big leap into things. The other thing is, is because, and it is a church group, but they don't push their church. That's get the franchise all over the country. Love Inc. is, um, is they partner with churches. So we had a store basically for children's clothes, for adult clothes, for diapers, mm-hmm. for baby furniture, um, for personal items like soap and all of that. And so the thing that's neat about it, it's not tied to a government program. So if someone isn't documented, if someone makes too much for SNAP, just barely mm-hmm. over, but still has a ton of medical bills, they were eligible. Awesome. It, it, was that something you worked for or are you still working for them? I still do. Awesome. There's just a ton of resources out there, and you might be somebody that I want to I want to talk to on the podcast also because there's uh, uh, just a ton of resources out there for people to connect with that um, that can help you either in the short term or the long term, and and some of them are government, and some of them are are non government, and and uh, you know churches churches do a lot of good work, and a lot of it isn't isn't particularly religious work. It's just, you know, trying to, trying to help people out. It's, you know, those of us who have faith, it's part of what our faith tells us we need to be doing. And, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a thing about trying to, trying to convert people or anything like that. It's about just, just giving people a hand when they need it. So, um, uh, so I, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't say shy away from those organizations. I, you know, take, Take advantage of whatever you can find that helps you to to stay within your budget and to to move yourself forward. Um, you know, change change your situation longer term. I, I think that's awesome. Um, I did want to point out too because um, I meant to mention this once. Somebody was uh, one of the first people that asked a question um, or or made a comment said something about well when I was when I was young my my parents bought the clothes for my kids um there's a lot of groups around the country uh that are on the internet um just through facebook that are buy nothing groups uh we've got one here and and we're not uh we're not low income but we use it a lot just because we don't like to waste things the purpose of these groups is when somebody has something, um, they put it out on on the Facebook group and say, "Hey, I have this. If somebody needs it, you know, come and get it, or I can bring it to you, or whatever." Um, one of the things that it's used for a lot is kids' clothes because, uh, particularly when kids are young, they grow so fast that they they grow out of their clothes before their clothes have have outlived their useful life. Um, so we we give away. 
Uh, we have a two-year-old. We give away his clothes on the buy nothing group all the time. And, you know, sometimes we trade it for, uh, we trade them for, for clothes that are a little bit bigger. Um, so even outside of just, just, uh, you know, outside of uh, official organizations, there are, are groups of people that band together to help each other out, uh, in ways like that too, that we can take advantage of. And that's why I think having access to the internet is, you know, one of those things that I consider a basic need at this point. And, and right. Chris, that comment was from myself, Carrie Muth, the state president. Uh, um, Terry, yeah. Carrie, yeah. And um, I will say too, you know, thrift stores, things like that are great resources to mm-hmm. just to kind of save money, especially if you're, you know, trying to eat healthy, changing clothing sizes. You know, I, I'm really fortunate right now. I'm heading that direction. My sister is a size smaller and keeps shrinking you know, so I get her cast off. So that works good too. Mm-hmm. But um, having those friends that, um, you know, my, my youngest son has a little guy and they have a group of friends that are having babies right now and they just kind of pass the clothes around. So all those things are helpful. And if you're in the process of gaining weight, know that when you get to a certain size, you're going to pay more for your clothing because, well, so don't gain weight, y'all. Yeah, eat healthy. Drinking lots of water. Healthy, healthy. There we go. Okay, we have one more hand, Wesley. Yeah, I I have one of those able savings accounts, and Mm -hmm. the next big purchase I want to make in my life would be a motor vehicle because I got some place to go where transportation is a is a real pain in the butt. And the thing is, you know, with the able savings, I was able to get like the bioptics and the driving lessons. I think if these are meant for somebody with a vision impairment, you know, I can cover them with the able savings. But I'm kind of thinking about the motor vehicle itself. And since the adaptive equipment, adaptive technology I wear on my face, you know, and there's none of the adaptive equipment not in any way attached to, attached to the vehicle, the vehicle's not modified. It's an ordinary whole home car, you know, SUV or whatever. And I talked to Able Sames about it, and they say I can probably still buy the vehicle through my Able Sames account, even though it's a disordinary vehicle. They say because it's like it's a quality of life improvement. Yep. But still, I kind of wonder, and, and it turns out the case that's not the case. Could this individual development account be used to purchase a motor vehicle? No, um, the individual development accounts are specifically for for education, uh, a down payment on a first home, or starting a business. So unless the motor vehicle is tied to to starting the business in some way, um, it's really not not appropriate for that. However, um, I agree with uh, you know wh- whoever you've spoken to before with. Um, uh, I work a lot with the Able National Resource Center. They're they're a group managed by the National Disability Institute that that is uh, um, subject matter experts on Able accounts, and um, this comes up a lot. Uh, and you you are, as far as I know, entirely safe in purchasing that motor vehicle. Okay. For from the Able account, the only time that you could run into trouble with that is that, like, let's say. You're buying it for yourself, for your for you to drive. Yeah, that's what and, I do. That's and that would life. and that would be okay. And it would still be okay if you bought it for like if I bought my wife is is sighted and I'm totally blind. So if I bought my wife a car to drive me around in, that would still be okay. What would not be okay is if you bought a car for your brother who lives in Europe 
and is going to drive that car around Europe and it's never going to benefit you at all. Okay. I got, you. no, this is going to be for me. Yep. You know, and, and the thing is, but it's like the old adapted equipment you need for driving is something you can hold in one hand. Yes. That, that, you know, that I wear on my face and then the vehicle, just a normal vehicle, you know, it's yeah. not made for the handicap. So that's my biggest concern. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, All right, thank you. You're still good. Yep. Um, able accounts, by the way, that there, um, there is something when you spend money out of an able account, there is something called qualified disability expenses and the IRS, um, and the social security administration have rules that, uh, that determine whether something is a qualified disability expense or not. And in both cases, uh, both in the Social Security Administration and in the IRS, uh, their guidance to their employees is to do everything you can to assume it is a qualified disability expense. In other words, there's there's nobody that's looking to try and try and uh, you know catch you in a lie or anything and and try and pull it out. They're they're going to do everything they can to make sure that you're that you're good. Um, so it's got to be very, very blatantly wrong for you to get into, into trouble with that. It's, they've made it very safe and things like housing, you, you know, you, you can use your able account to put a down payment on a house and it doesn't matter if you're the only person living in that house or whether it's for you, your, you and your family, it just means, uh, you know, and it doesn't matter if that house is adapted for a disability or, or not. It just matters that it's a house and that you're going to be living in it. Same thing with your car. It just matters that it's a car and you're going to be riding in it or you're going to be driving in it in your case. So you're good. Um, all right. So there is now we are <laughs> now it is about four minutes left. So uh, I hope you don't mind if I say thank you again to all of the great participation here. Um if you were not able to get a question answered or you want to talk to me in more detail, email me at pennyforward at pennyforward.com. Uh, I also want to tell you that Penny Forward is a small and growing nonprofit organization that is supported in part by donations. So if you feel that what we are doing is something that we should continue doing and do more of, um, you know, and you're in a position to to donate, we would really appreciate it. And there's details on how to do that on pennyforward.com. We're also looking for uh, people that can volunteer and that can serve on our board of directors right now. Specifically, we're looking for people that are um, uh, that are experts in education, um, uh, rehab. Um, nonprofit administration, legal uh, and compliance kinds of things, tax and accounting. But even if you don't fit into one of those categories, if you feel like you want to help out, um, send me an email because I would very much value and appreciate your help and uh, we'll, we'll find a place where you fit. So um, again, pennyforward at pennyforward.com is the way to get in touch with me for all of those things. And thank you so much for inviting me to be here tonight. Thank you so much, Chris. It was a great presentation and great answers to questions. Thank you. Thank you.
All right, let's see our next item on the agenda is called Elephant in the Dark. And um, so we'll go ahead and get that queued up and ready to go. Forgot the part, a generational panel. Okay, all right, go ahead. Okay, Elephant in the Dark, a generational panel by Desiree Christian. <laughs> See, we had this, this discussion over the program that Carrie had a tough time switching the title a few times. <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't have such a great title if you hadn't have uh, accidentally forgot a few times. So Yeah, that, that's true. So that it, it you know. is great title now. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay um acb you guys got that yep we're ready okay. ready awesome yep. all right great go. thank you hello everyone and welcome to elephant in the dark a generational panel i am chief instigator and sometimes future leader in training here in oregon desiree a Christian. I am relatively new to ACB of Oregon compared to many of you who have been involved with the affiliate for nearly half of my lifetime. I um, have sat through many a chapter meeting as a member and then serving as vice president and now as administrative secretary. I have also circled round the state board as chairs of a few different committees I have observed and sometimes been a part of some not-so-constructive incidents during the short years I've been involved. So I've wondered, how can we as members and as leaders do better? So one fall afternoon, I gathered together older and younger members of ACB to see if we could get this sorted. Group, would you like to introduce yourselves? My name is James Edwards. I'm the immediate past president of the American Council of the Blind of Oregon, serving a 10-year sentence while I did that. So. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm considered one of the old, uh, I guess, one of the old, old, uh, older generation, like you were referring to, um, supposedly have white hair and wisdom on my, uh, under my head. <laughs> I do know, but it was, I'm not so sure about sometimes, but willing to impart what I do, what I do know. So I guess I'll go next. So hold on. I am Michael Babcock out of the Coos Bay Coquille area. I'm the first vice president of the Southwestern chapter of the American Council of the Blind of Oregon. And I think out of all of the individuals on this call, I have the least experience with ACBO. Uh, in general. Yeah, but boy, how do you, are you looking to get some? <laughs> I will go next. I am Tyanne Wilmath. I am from Portland, and I am the vice president of the Metro PDX chapter. Okay, and I'll go uh, last. I'm Sue Schwab. I'm the current treasurer of ACB of Oregon. Um, I've been with ACB since I was a child, since my parents were longtime members. Um, and I am the only sighted person on this panel. Hey, I'm sort of sighted. I know. 
In a land not far away, there was a village called Or Egon. In this village, the elders guided and advised the younger generations, for they had much wisdom to pass on before they kicked it. Between macular degeneration, glaucoma, and diabetes, their eyesight was, well, not nearly as sharp as it used to be. Growing decrepit can do that to a person. One day, ye old-timey traveling circus paused overnight on their way south to warmer climes. Now, the elders had seen a lot in the many years that they had been humdrumming it in their village. But they had yet to see an elephant. Special arrangements were made to give the sight-impaired elders a once-in-a-lifetime chance to feel an elephant. The elephant was led into a room that had a stall in the middle of it, with bars running horizontally. The elders filed into the room, then around the stall, two or three elders on each of the four sides. Amidst the chattering excitement, one of the elders, the quiet one, reaches out, touching the trunk. A water pipe kind of creature, he states. Assured in his knowledge, he now knows what an elephant feels like. Overly confident elder then reaches out, feeling the ear. An overly strong, always moving back and forth, fan animal. Trunk touching, quiet elder snorts in derision. Righteous elder found the leg, verbalizing her thoughts. I find it still like a column on a temple. Quiet elder and ear-fondling, overly confident elder both frown, mumbling dark-colored words under their breaths. Feeling the horizontal bars, the next elder, Elder Cat Lady, scampers up as far as she could go. Reaching out, she touches the curved back, virtually vibrating she purrs. A leathery throne. Overly confident elder, quiet elder, righteous elder, and elder cat lady scoff at one another, giving most excellent side-eye for blind people. The last of the elders clears his throat for attention. For he is the cleverest and nearly the oldest elder still humdrumming about the village. With nose in the air, cleverest elder feels the trunk. A rounded sword made of porcelain, he proclaims loudly. Such a cacophony of voices had not been heard in those parts since the last of the Hatfields and McCoys moved east. The elephant handlers had the good sense to escort the rather raucous crowd of the elder generation out before the ever-patient elephant could become ever so less patient. I wonder if they spent the rest of their days diligently disagreeing upon what an elephant truly looks like. Hearing the parable, it's obvious to us, the listener, that the elders are acting foolishly. How many of us think we never act that way? How many of us revisit past encounters that went wrong, looking beyond our own hurt and our own anger to try and understand the other side? How often do we leave our chapter meetings and board meetings feeling frustrated and angry? How often do we feel like no one heard our ideas to move the state forward? 
How often do we feel that our solutions to problems get dismissed, if not downright trounced upon? How often do we take it personally, like it's an attack on our character? How often do we think someone else doesn't like us just because they disagree with us? So initial thoughts, feels? So here's a question for you, Desiree. How often do you... Do you relate that to your board members? In other words, do you leave the board meetings and you and you get together with a group that feels the same way and you and you hash it out and wonder why why you're part of the organization because nobody listens to you? Or do you approach the board and say, listen, we have an issue here that we need to address with the board. You guys are not listening to us. We feel like all of our ideas are set aside and and it does no good to to address any issues with you folks. What can we do about that? I love that you turned it back and made it pointed and uncomfortable. Personally, I would say more often than not. However, I don't usually take someone dismissing my idea or disagreeing with me as uh, they don't like me or they hate me or, you know, we can't get along outside of, you know, one disagreement And I found that there are some members that I can go to later and talk it through. Where did we miscommunicate? Where, where, where's the common ground? But as far as like trying to take it up to the board when there's problems, yeah, no, so far I'm checked on that because, you know, it's my experience so far is that people aren't willing to listen and hear me. They get, um, maybe it's I'm too direct. I don't know. But there's several members on our board that, that, um, make it feel pretty unsafe to just stick my neck out there and uh, say, hey, I got a problem. There is a problem. Yes, and that is certainly a problem if if the board members won't listen to you because they're elected by the body to listen to the membership. And if they're not willing to listen and consider it constructive criticism, then they need to reexamine their own thinking. But unless they're aware of the problem, unless you make them aware of the problem, then they don't know there there is a problem. This is true, but I can say I'm not the only one who's had this experience or observed this experience. And there's three, four, four. I mean, you you did ask a pointed question, um, and you've got a heck of a lot more experience on there. So, what about you? All the questions you just asked me, but in reverse. I, li- I try to practice what I preach. I, I like to listen to people, and I think if there's a, if there's a problem, I try to um, I try to find a resolution to it. And and I and I, I can take constructive criticism, and I do it all the time. And in, in the role I'm in right now, so uh, it's something that I take pretty seriously, listening to people and trying to fix issues that I know exist. But have you observed this kind of behavior from the board, not just you yourself, but like going into the board and saying, you know, not having a great experience and leaving it? Have I experienced as a prior board member of the American Council of Blind of Oregon? Uh-huh. I would say yes. I would say yes, I have. But I'm, I'm not as involved as I used to be when I was president. But if I were president right now, I would do everything that could to take your concerns seriously and talk to the board because I've learned a lot, you know, in the last 10 years or so, I've learned a lot on how to address 
uncomfortable situation. So if I were president, that's what I would do. I would have a frank discussion with the board to see how we could overcome the problems that are existing. As a district representative on the board as well, which I forgot to mention in my intro, part of me wonders, because I have observed both sides of uh, what's happened, people not being listened to or feeling like they're not being listened to, and people not really choosing to listen to what they're being told by other members of the organization. My thoughts behind it is it should be a comfortable environment for anyone to go and express their concerns. And sometimes I don't think this is the occurrence. And honestly, I don't know how to fix it aside from making it more apparent to members that there are some people though they might feel like not everyone is, that's available to listen to your concerns and bring them up to the board. I can jump in here. I believe I was a board member serving with James most of those 10 years. The couple of times that I've seen some issues at the board meetings have been, I think, board members who I think are burning out. Some stress, some frustration during board meetings because I think things were going too fast or too many people talking at once, those kind of situations, which if you're a stressful person, if you have uh, anxiety anyway, that probably would aggravate it, make it even worse. But as far as our state affiliate board goes, I don't think I've heard as much issues going on, maybe because you're asking this question, maybe I haven't heard it because the board isn't being given the information or am I uh, blocking something that I just don't see it and it's right in front of me? I don't know. I've uh, personally heard more issues, I think, among chapters with um, confrontations and conflict than I actually have heard from the state board. So that's my uh, two cents worth to kind of support what James was saying. There could be... um, There were a few times, I think, that James and I discussed some uh, board meetings that seemed stressful. But I think that overall, I thought that we discussed pretty openly and thoroughly anything that was actually brought to the board. And I would like to add, Michael touched on a very good point uh, when he spoke, because there are some members who just are very difficult to deal with, and they just don't seem to to understand, you know, that they're they're being listened to, and and they keep bringing up the same issues over and over and over again. So, it it, it goes both ways. Yeah, I agree, and I think I remember uh, you and I are talking about the same things, and I think some of the these people are just have a very um, low stress threshold. We have to remember, I guess, that we're all built a little differently, but we still need to be cordial to each other. We still need to get along, including those people that are bringing up the issues. Oh, you haven't said anything I disagree with at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Diane, we haven't heard from you yet. So as a younger member and attending some board meetings, it's kind of intimidating when things aren't going smoothly. and. I'm one of those people, it's hard to speak up to let the correct people know how I'm feeling. Those kind of situations, if I think if the board was informed of that, we might come up with a way to make it more welcoming for other people to talk. And possibly that needs to be some rules Mm -hmm. and time limits on who can talk and for how long. I know Carrie's been working on some of that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Which... I hear is making the um, meetings run 
much more smoothly and shorter. Shorter. Yes, they are. <laughs> Diane, I would encourage you, you know, to lose your inhibitions and, and use your voice because unless you use your voice and nobody's going to hear you, the people you're talking to, whether they're elected board members or what, they're just like you, you know, it's just that they're elected in position. And I've been on boards where there's board members themselves who are afraid to speak up. So it's, it's all about learning how to use your voice and make yourself heard. I am learning this um, now that I've gotten involved with um, national ACB Next Generation. Yeah, I think um, being on a board like like this and, and uh, even taking it next level like Tyann did that um, is a great way for an introvert to kind of get over that and not be afraid to talk in front of. It's kind of like Toastmasters. That's kind of the benefit of what that does. Oh, yes. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm the prime example of that. I am the epitome of an introvert. And and uh, if you would have known me many years ago, you would have never thought I would be doing what I do now. So. <laughs> <laughs> so other questions that I have written down, can we do better as individuals to see that this kind of stuff doesn't happen? I know we've started to kind of talk about it. Um, what can we do as a group? to encourage, you know, people like Tyann to feel safe to speak up, you know, and there, there's others who seem to struggle at putting forth an idea or solution to a problem and then letting it go and letting the group have a discussion about it and figuring out what's right for the group and, and not holding on to their idea and then getting angry at the group. And I'm, I'm wondering if there's a solution for that. How can we do better our own selves as well as encourage the letting go of ideas and as the letting go of egos in, in the group setting? And, uh, you know, broadly, generally, what can we do differently? By we, are you talking about the general membership, you personally or, or who? All the above. All the above. No, these are questions that I ask myself regularly. It's not just a, I'm, you know, trying to sit here and point the finger. I really honestly would like to know because in private discussions, I'm not the only one who's ended up leaving both chapter and state meetings feeling all this way and observing this behavior in other people. And I'm like, okay, so what can I do differently personally? And I don't always have an answer and it ends up being for myself situation by situation. So I'm asking the whole group. You know, I think that's some of the responsibility of the leadership of the meeting, that that person should make sure that the presentation that, that somebody brought forth is not turned on them like a hammer. I think the chair needs to have uh, some kind of support plan in place that if this happens, this is what we'll do. But it, 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 if somebody gives a presentation of something that is legitimate, then uh, we need to make sure that they feel safe and not attacked. We need to have someone remind the group that this was just a suggestion. Should, this person wasn't demanding to change the world. Let's be kind. And uh, if you have other thoughts, we want to hear them, but, but do them in a respectful manner. And I kind of think that's what I hear you saying. It's what has happened in some instances. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I have to say personally, one of the amazing things that I do love about you and James is even if I have an argument or I'm upset with either of you in a meeting, I can come back later, you know, give you guys a phone call and say, hey, is this what really happened? Can we figure this out? And and you guys are both really good about keeping that stuff in the meeting and leaving it there and not taking it outside, which not everybody can do. <laughs> yeah. Must be the white hair on the head. <laughs> been through a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, you have. You've been with AC Vince's your little girl, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you've been here for all the crazy stuff. Oh, some of it. I think my parents didn't bring me to all the meetings or I just wasn't paying attention. I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But you did make a very good point, Sue. Really, it is up to the chair to make sure that everybody is heard, make sure that everybody is comfortable when they are speaking. And sometimes that's difficult to do because it's hard to listen to everybody. But as chair, when you notice that somebody isn't being heard, then you have to actually give that, say, okay, I want to give this person a chance to express their opinions and make that person feel comfortable about doing so, make make that person feel like they're welcome to talk to the board. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. It's all a balancing act, you know, the board has to listen and the audience has to express themselves in a way that the board wants to listen to them. Right. And so that goes in turn that we need to give careful thought to who we actually select as a chair and not just pass it around to somebody who, you know, oh yeah, maybe I'll do it. And they're not really sure what they're getting into, or they don't have the strength to deal with the large group that we have. We need to make sure that the chairs that we elect to our organizations have the strength to carry the meeting like it should be. Large, opinionated group. Yes. <laughs> Strongly opinionated. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, and that's what I uh, was thinking is, you know, In order for the younger audience, because ultimately I think that's where a big rift comes in, is there are older people on the board and younger people who might feel like they're younger members who might feel like they're not being listened to by the board. And I think one big way to solve that is, well, it's twofold. A, have more participation in the organization from younger members, because that's ultimately who can help make a change in who's on the board. And B have younger members who are interested in making a change actually run to be on the board to share their thoughts with their fellow board members. Yes. Here's looking at you, Diane. Yep. That's why I'm uh, running this year. Do you have any thoughts, feels about what we've been discussing so far? I think that with the experiences that I have had over the past year and a half um, has made me grow as an ACB member and state and national. And I actually have somebody who is helping me with getting the skills that I need to be a good leader. Yay. Yes. So what what do you guys see for the future of ACB of Oregon? I mean, I, I hate to, to break it to your older generation, but uh, you might end up with me, Tyann, Michael, and a few others in charge. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in the recording. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I think that the answer to our organization is to give the younger generation a chance. As we can tell from this conversation, they have issues that they don't like with the American Council of Blind of Oregon. And so I'm all about uh, stepping aside and letting younger people or new people have a go at it. The best way to examine what's really going on, and I'll just give you as an example, Cayenne, when you're sitting in a board meeting, you could be sitting there thinking, if I were the president, how would I handle this? What would I do different? Is this president doing a good job? I think the future of American the Blind is for the younger generation to take over, but don't exclude the older people because they have a lot of knowledge that you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to be kicked out on your rear end, James? <laughs> well, if that's what you guys feel is the best for the organization, <laughs> go right ahead. <laughs> Oh, he's so diplomatic. (laughs) (laughs) He is. He really is. (laughs) So I wonder if there's a way to start like maybe a mentoring program. So, you you know, something a little bit more formal than just here, try an office and ask for help if you think you need it. Well, that has just happened that um, I got a call about someone who's interested maybe in taking over the treasurer's job. Sweet. uh, Ooh. I absolutely was saying I'd be more than happy to mentor somebody for a year to make her comfortable um, or two years, I guess, if I run again, because mm-hmm. uh, nobody has stepped up. But um, oh, I think we all feel pretty intimidated. I mean, considering <laughs> your background and that there's investments, it's yeah. Well, feels- yeah, but it's not that difficult with things already in place and moving forward. It is creating the wheel. Sometimes it's harder than actually just keeping it moving. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, and I, I took over from my dad and he already had things moving and in place. It was pretty straightforward. And I was the tax consultant for the organization prior to that. So that gave me the access and the, the history that I could see what I was stepping into. But not everybody has that kind of situation in the position, other positions on the board. Mentoring is very important because this person doesn't have uh, a tax background or, or bookkeeping necessarily, but it can be taught and it can be mentored. The position I wouldn't uh, envy at all of trying to get or to take over would be the secretary's position. That's the hard one, I think. But, you know, everybody, really? the other the mm. other side of the fence looks more difficult than what you're, you have. <laughs> It's where you are and and the perspective you have of what the other person is doing is sometimes a lot more um, exaggerated than it really is. (laughs) True. So what's intimidating for you about the secretary's position? Oh, it's more than just taking minutes. It's Mm -hmm. maintaining history. It's uh, maintaining a policies and procedures kind of that are not necessarily in the bylaws. The secretary is responsible for sending out the agenda and, and, and then correcting them during the meeting. I don't know. It just seems kind of a fast and furious job where mine, I can go home and, you know, put, put it down for a day and I'll walk away and come back and do it. You know, I just, I wouldn't be able to remember where I left off if I was the secretary and did that. Fair enough. I agree with Sue. Being secretary is a very difficult and time-demanding job. It's uh, between that and being the president, uh, That those are two hardest positions on the board. Yeah, I agree. For a time, Metro PDX, we split it up between me 
and Bobby, and she was in charge of all the note-taking stuff and editing and all that stuff. And then I did the rest of it, which suited us just fine. So I don't know if that's something to consider in the future, but it worked quite nicely for us. Right. That sounds like a great idea of somebody who can do the uh, correspondence or the uh, putting out the uh, bylaws that are going to be amended, making sure those get out to all the members to be read, all that kind of stuff. That It's more than just note-taking. Exactly. It yeah. is. You need to be a <laughs> it really is. A correspondence position or something like that, you know, that would would uh, assist the um, the main secretary. So spread the workload. Maybe then more people would run. Dude. One more comment on mentoring. I'm in the position where I mentor one particular person on the board quite frequently. So (laughs) (laughs) that's what mentoring is about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that's why we have a past president. (laughs) Definitely. I wonder if maybe I have a funny feeling I'm about to walk into it and get voluntold. I just have an idea. I can't say I can put time and energy into it, but I'm wondering creating in this next year a formal mentoring program. Because I feel like then, you know, you could present it to our people next October and be like, here, this is a thing. These are all the jobs. Who's interested? You know, maybe get the stylist to write an article or two. Good idea. Uh, I have a funny feeling I might have just voluntold myself to do something. <laughs> Great idea, Desiree. <laughs> I think I've heard that in other organizations that they do have a board that they elect like six months ahead of time. And then those, those people are mentoring with the old board members as they're leaving. Oh, that's a great way to do it. All right, Michael or Tyann? I think that's a awesome idea i know that uh on national level they're looking at uh doing mentoring so then that way we can learn from the older generation before we kick them out on their tuckus yeah (laughs) I, i think something that might be in some instances forgotten by long-term board members is what you do is easy. Like for me, I would not be a good secretary and I would not be a good treasurer. I already know that for sure. Uh, well, in, in my eyes for that perspective, from that perspective. So having a mentoring program, instead of saying, Hey, you'd be good fit for this role. Why don't you jump on and, and do this? Okay. I'll do that what am I doing now? Like, what, 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 what do I need to do? Who do I need to reach out to, to get this information? Oh, then here's a list of all the things you need to, yep. to do. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and then here's the bylaws. <laughs> Read these, memorize them. So I think mentoring would be great for, especially for newer and younger slash older, because it doesn't matter. Someone who's newer to the board experience. You know, um, James started the leadership conference and that might be a task that would be good to bring in through that. Yeah, that's an idea. And I know Carrie was wanting to uh, um, have that again if we ever got get out of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but definitely that's kind of what leadership what it's trying to do is develop leaders for our organization. 
that might be an offshoot of that program. Mm-hmm. That might be. I know that she and I, I agreed with her that, that it needs to be longer than a day because you just have time enough to talk about concepts, but not actually practice them. Yeah. And, and I know like it's gotten discussed in past board meetings. And this is where initially it looked like James and I disagreed with one another, but it turns out, no, not at all. It was discussed to hold it at this one location, which would cost us like $8,000. And I agree, we don't need to spend $8,000 on a leadership program, but I feel like just a day is going to cut it. Okay. Yeah. I'll be out of here after a while. Crocodile. <laughs> well, it's five o'clock and you're trying to kick me out of, out of my office so I, and send me home. But I said, I'll, I'll lock up when I leave. So <laughs> so where's your margarita, James? <laughs> well, I like Bloody Marys instead of margaritas. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, back to this conversation, a lot of people get involved in these kind of situations just by jumping in without even knowing what they're getting involved in. It was my own experience. You know, I, I had no experience being on a board of anything until I got involved in the American Council of Blind of Oregon. And somehow I just found myself, uh, somebody talked me into running as a district rep. And I said, what do I have to do? And they said, oh, you just go to meetings and vote once in a while. And they said, okay. <laughs> so the more I got involved, the more I learned that uh, I do have a voice. I can speak up. I, I can express an opinion and I can disagree with people and I can argue a point. It's all about learning on the job. That's where a mentoring program would come in very, very helpful. So that people, when they go into it, they're not like me and many, many other people who just jumped into it with both feet, not knowing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be done with the combination of Zoom which uh, gives you opportunity to actually get together without the cost of a room and overnight stay and meals and all that, which breaks our budget. And expanding our board, if we add another position onto it, like I've just, you and I talked about, <laughs> will um, just increase that cost also. Dude. Yes, and I would say job sharing, you may not have to add somebody. You might add different responsibility to one of the other board members, such as the second vice president. First vice president is obligated to know what's going on because they're, they take over when the president is not able to. The second vice president, I'm not sure exactly what the heck they do. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Good point. Maybe that should be the gopher guy. You know, go for this, go for that. <laughs> you might think about giving that that position the responsibility of sharing, you know, doing the minutes or right. something along that, that line. There you go. Well, you know, years ago, this be something I think you'll learn at uh, the convention with our history. Ooh, our history. organization used to be up to 300 people. You know, it was a large group and maybe it just took to vice presidents to deal with um, the tasks that needed to be done. You know, I think that was the peak of of convention attendance, but we haven't seen that in a long time. Um, But, you know, when you have that many people, maybe the board needed to be bigger. Oh, well, I hope we find out because I'm I'm curious. Yeah. (laughs) And I was back in the days when uh, there was a lot of other medical issues for blindness that we have now have modern medicine has really helped alleviate. So we don't have the number of people that we used to have. That didn't even occur to me. Any other thoughts, ideas, feels, 
insights, older and younger? Yeah, I have one. Yeah, James. So your parable about the elephant. Uh-huh. So that was your suggestion, dude. I took it and ran. <laughs> but, you know, as I listened to that parable, I thought if all of those people had, would have asked to touch the whole elephant, they would all have known what the elephant was and what it was all about instead of just one part of it. And that that kind of relates to what we're talking about here. If you're a member and you don't get involved in, in the organization and know what the board does and what the responsibilities of, of the board is, then it kind of relates to the same thing. If, 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 I, if you understand what I'm talking about. So. Right. Nope. Totally clueless. <laughs> <laughs> A good example of that was my dad told the story that years and years and years ago, the guy shows up and says, well, look at all that money we have in the bank. If we divide it up among all of us, we'd all have pretty good money here we could take home. Why do we have to all leave it in the bank? <laughs> so, you know, this is a person who's clueless and he's not uh, attended, evidently, Um any of the board, you know, meetings or maybe even his chapter. He just thinks you show up and he had a great idea, you know, just walk away with the money. Well, you know, Sue, I am just young enough to be dangerous. Oh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Big plans, I see. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's that's the guy only touching one part of the elephant, you know. Must have been mm -hmm. the underbelly, maybe. <laughs> so they all need to walk around the elephant and touch it around all the different parts. Try them all out. And sometimes, you know, it's okay to just be a member and only come for the benefits of the belonging to the organization. Oh, sure. Yeah. Anyways, um, now now I forget what I was going to say. Deep and, and, and powerful. Oh. I do kind of remember. Um, if if the existing board has been in a position of, I guess, power or, or in a perceived position of power, the question is, is it at the point where maybe in order to see a bigger difference, we need to bring in more members? And if so, how is that? How do people see that being accomplished? That's a good question, because so far, I've heard many different solutions to that problem. Um, and I know the passport has, has tried to do stuff. And I think my generation and younger, typically speaking, aren't joiners. That's problematic, and I don't have a good solution. I just know that we've tried things um, to not necessarily great success yes that has certainly been a problem uh, it's not the way not the way it was when we were younger too where we had 300 members and right and i'm hoping this is just a cycle and sooner or later it'll break break and people will will start joining in right and i remember when i went to national and i did the presentation for my uh dad's angel wall memorial and um one of the things i commented on was how much he um was able to bring in in endowment funds with people leaving chunks of their estates to cb of oregon and when i mentioned what that figure was 340 
6,000 or something like that, that there was a big gasp across the room. Other states don't have the resources that we have. And with this kind of resources that we have, we need to make sure that the next generation that does take over and future generations understand what it took to garner that kind of money and how lucky we are in Oregon that we have the kind of resources, even if we don't have the attendance that comes. But we have the fiduciary responsibility to protect those resources. And it's a legal responsibility because we could be sued as board members if we were found guilty of not being good fiduciaries, you know. But at the same time, we should be really blessed and there should be people that say, I want to be a part of this organization because history is so rich and and we have good financial backing that could do the things we want to do. We just can't spend it all. We can't give it away to that guy in the room, you know. <laughs> Let's just divide it up among everybody here. <laughs> so, but, um, you well, know. Yeah, it's a grand idea. <laughs> Although I like my idea better. I just, you know, let's just okay. throw the whole state in a giant party. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just uh, rent the, the top of, let's see, what's a big tower in Portland with a big, huge party room. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Although I don't know if it's open anymore. ball at the ceiling and an open bar. You know, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> we'll 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 pay for everybody's room for you know like three nights in a row all the things yep 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 there you go <laughs> top of the line catering that i will approve because sure sure <laughs> we'll, sure we'll, we'll pay for everybody's tuxes and ball gowns for the one night we have a you know formal dinner uh-huh oh yeah oh dear oh dear <laughs> <laughs> i'm not taking you very seriously you know <laughs> i 100 percent hope that you are not oh. if we don't spend our money wisely how are we supposed to keep it for future generations i mean in reality that that is the thing i mean it's it's nice to have these grandiose fantasies but in reality yeah that doesn't leave much for future generations right right we still need to do fundraising, even with that kind of money, because most of it is restricted. That's the way the donor left it, you know, how they left it to us. They, with the instructions in their wills, you know, saying this is restricted funds, these, this is an endowment. I'm yep. contributing my money to that. Yep. Yeah. So, Tyanne, we've covered uh, several subjects and you've been kind of quiet. So I'm pick on you. Maybe she's rethinking that. Speak up, introvert. <laughs> For being secretary there. <laughs> Ooh, no, thank you. <laughs> so I, you know, I just feel that, uh, yeah, we need to get new mem- new members. We also need to get younger people on the board so then that way we can still learn from you guys while you guys are still around anyone has any last comments thoughts questions feels pointed questions i'm looking at you james (laughs) well i don't think i have any 
questions as such, um, but I do, you know, I, I just believe that if this organization is going to survive into the next 20, 30 years, you know, you have to have people step up and take responsibility for the health and welfare of this organization. Yeah, and these uh, new people will bring fresh ideas, things we can do, and that's always a plus, very much needed. Michael, Tyan? Uh, I I think my last things is, you know, younger members or newer members. I keep saying younger, but I, I should reference it as newer members because membership can range in age, needs to feel comfortable that they can bring topics of discussion and ideas to the board. And I think all of us as members in general need to realize who we vote and elect for positions on the board should reflect our, our ability to be comfortable with bringing issues and content to those individuals' attention. Tyan? Um, let's see, last thing. Um, you know, I really looking forward to hopefully being on the board as one of the younger people and learning and growing because I would like to see it stick around for the future. Sweet. And I think uh, also part of the solution to what we were discussing earlier about not being heard is the role of a district representative. We we uh, elect those people to be to represent uh, each region. And so it's it is important that each representative or board member, I've always advocated Call me if you have an issue. Call me. I'm, I'm here to listen to you. And that's what the representatives are there for. If, if somebody feels like they're not being listened, they need to bring to the attention of their of their representative and the representative needs to bring it, bring it to the attention of the board. And that might go, go a long way towards helping resolve issues. All about communication, folks. Fair point. And listening. People need to step aside from their own egos and actually listen and hear one another but if you have an ego you don't belong on a board, <laughs> on board, on board. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> last comments thoughts feels encouragements messages you want to send out to the wider general audience instead of specifically just between us because we're having a conversation i could say that it's true with every single state affiliate and national that you don't have to be on the board to make a difference. You don't have to be an officer. Um, you can contribute to this organization in so many different ways just by being there and being uh, willing to help carry the load, um, be willing to um, make contributions either in your thoughts or actions. And um, to um, enjoy the hospitality of all the other people that you have the opportunity to meet. So it isn't all just about power and it isn't about leadership and decision making, although those things are important and they have to happen. But anybody can make a contribution and be just as important in that um, contribution they made is any leadership or board. And to add to that as a closing thought, um, if you have good board, good leaders as members, 
don't hesitate to tell them that you appreciate their leadership, that you appreciate all that they're doing for for the organization and for the members. I know when I used to attend uh, national conventions, I always made it a point to go up to the president, uh, whether, whether it be Kim Charlson or or uh, one of the others, uh, Mitch Pomerantz, and say, you know, I, I appreciate what you're doing for us, Mitch, and, and, and the rest of the board. I mean, it's it means a lot to the board members to know that they are appreciated in their role. So. You got a fair point there. So I will change my, my, my habits. I'll change my ways instead of touting to other people that I think somebody on the board's amazing. I will tell the person directly that they are amazing. <laughs> All right. Good. I do that. Yep. Yes. It'll make you feel better. It makes everybody feel better. Like, yep. why wouldn't you want to share the good vibes, you know? Yeah. Tyann, Michael, last thoughts to the general populace? Speak what your thoughts are to people who can help make a difference in whatever you're involved in, whether that be an, a blindness-related organization or even at work. If you can bring your concerns and questions to people who can help alleviate those concerns or answer those questions and communicate with them, as I think has been clear throughout this entire event, communication is essential, then you'll get answers and Chances are you'll get to the you'll get the issues resolved that need to be resolved. Tyann. <laughs> um our beloved introvert. Don't be afraid to speak up and uh if you see that you can do something that needs to be done, go ahead and ask who needs to be asked. Like I uh like I stepped up with the Braille embosser. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for your time and coming and doing this thing. And um, yeah, my dog is going to literally pull me across the living room. Well, then I'd say meeting is adjourned. <laughs> Conversation is adjourned. Conversation yeah. is paused. I don't know. But feel free to have a yeah. great rest of your evening, y'all. Desiree, I, I greatly appreciate what you're doing here. I appreciate the opportunity to to talk with you and, and the rest of the group. And and I, I'm privileged and honored to be in, invited to this little discussion. Yeah, thank you, Desiree. Thank you. It was oh. very interesting. Always. I love having interesting discussions, even if they're hard. Yep. Because <laughs> they need to get done. They need to happen. Right, right. A big thank you to everyone that joined me today having this conversation. This, well, it was a group discussion, a quite wonderful group discussion um, that was sometimes a little bit troublesome to navigate, but we did it. So thank you to our past state president, James Edwards. Thank you to Sue Schwab, our current state treasurer. Thank you to Tyann Wilmeth who is Metro PDX's uh, current vice president. And thank you to Michael Babcock, all-around tech guru, who has his own podcast, Pay Your Own Way, among other various endeavors. In the meantime, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you again for joining us. And... I would like the to end. say the end. I would like <laughs> to say thank you, Desiree. <laughs>
for such a wonderful interview. Um, you did a great job. You had some hard questions and, you know, it was definitely a conversation. Um, I'm kind of sad that I, I missed it. I missed it because of um, my dad's passing. Well, I was invited. I mean, that's kind of more important, really. Oh, uh, exactly. Yes. Family is, is the most important. Um, but, you know, so I didn't even get any sneak peeks or nothing. So, you know, I'm very impressed. A great job and uh, great answers for everybody. Samantha, so, hand up. Did you want a hand? That's what I was going to ask, Desiree. Are you willing to entertain a couple questions? Oh, absolutely. Awesome. All right. Good. Samantha? As somebody who has been on the state board and our local board, I think it is also beneficial not to step on the older generation's toes, but yet say, listen and let me explain my idea before you totally you know, say no, that isn't the way we do it. Um, I also speak of this because I've been to several conventions where there's been a little heat in the room. No, not, not, not in an ACB of Oregon convention. I don't know. What you're talking about. <laughs> um, oh, no, never in one of those. <laughs> no, it's, I'd, you know, my point is just to respect others. Yeah. Some of the older generation, and I'm not saying any of the board now or, you know, they just need to respect the younger generation. Well, I, I think I've heard repeatedly from not just James, but other people that, that, um, you know, who've been on the board for a long time and are of an older generation that they're really concerned that this younger generation is wanting to come in and, you know, totally make big, huge sweeping changes and disregard their experience, dis disregard, uh, you know, any kind of traditions that we've had. I mean, um, you know, side conversations that I've had that that's what I that that's what me and I know other younger members keep hearing repeatedly. It's like, okay, we're, I don't know if we're not saying it enough or expressing it enough, but we, we are hearing you older generation. Nice. Thanks for the comments. Any other hands raised? Uh, this one. Oh yeah. Uh, Deb. Hi, I really appreciated the discussion. And hopefully, I'm sorry, but I'm getting emotional. So since COVID, I've been able to come back to ACB, but I'm sorry, without changes, those of us work, can't go to a chapter meeting. We don't get any minutes. We don't have anybody to talk to. How do we participate? And, and you know what, Deb? That's one of the greatest things that I feel has come out of the COVID. You know, chapters are meeting virtually. Um, and you don't have to be a member of that specific chapter to, to join in those conversations. The OAAVL meetings are uh, Monday night. I think the next one is on November 1st. 
I know Metro PDX has uh, evening meetings on Friday evening. We when they have do theirs. evening meetings. We have members that are not even in the state. We've got members that are in, you know, all over the state. And we, oh, even prior to COVID, we would have, you know, the, we had the ability for people to call in. So know that there are options and there's at least two groups out there that would be very happy to have you. And please yeah. come join us. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing is, Deb, remember on the national level, those ACB community calls, you know, th there's like 90 a week plus. They started with two when COVID hit. And so there's always stuff happening in the ACB community. And you know what? If all else fails, get a hold of me, get a hold of Desiree, Teresa, Tyanne. We can set up a Zoom group for just ACB of Oregon chat session, you know? If any of you ACB of Oregon people are feeling um, lonely and you need some friendly voices, you know, there's a lot of us that, you know, we can set um, time. I'm going to just jump in. Yeah. I'm not lonely. I'm working many, many hours a week. Yeah. So, so I need, I have plenty of groups to join, blind and not join. I'm pointing mm -hmm. out that the organization has some changes to make. Sure. And it is very hard to keep doing the same thing. But to say, why aren't people joining? How does anybody know? I get blind people that come to me and they say, where should I go? And I always send them to your website and send them to the thing and hope that they get in there. But we all know that people join because somebody else invites them and they feel welcome and there's some project for them to do. And so making it less cumbersome, I mean, the mm -hmm. structure you know, I don't know what you guys do. I don't see the board minutes that's only sent out to the board. I don't see any of those things. I've been part of the leadership from eons ago and could be doing some job, but sure, I don't get that opportunity anymore. So, yes, I have done some call-in calls and different things. And so it's great to hear that there's other opportunities and I have to kind of fit them in and slot them. So knowing what is possible always makes it possible for people that are working. Because the truth is, a lot more blind people are working. Not only are there less blind people and less young people, but, you know, thankfully, a lot of us are working. Yeah. So, so are you um, requesting that the board meet minutes, for example, be sent out to, you know, the general membership too, not just the board Members, usually they are in our stylus, by the way. Right. And they're on the website and I've learned all that. And so I'm glad yeah. I'm listening and I'm figuring that mm -hmm. out. But um, the reality is, is that, I don't know, if it's, if it's hard to do, there's just, you know, I can jump on a Facebook, I can do this, I can do that. So I'm yeah. just only talking about the point that people need to feel needed and they need to mm -hmm. have connection yeah. all the time, not just. Yeah quarterly or not just, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. So well, and and thank you for point. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to encourage anybody who feels like, you know, you have ideas that might make it more accessible, you know, more, um, well, transparent or, you know, easier to access, you know, let us know how we can better help. Okay. So I well, appreciate your comments yeah oh work. gosh over a year or so ago i i uh, volunteered myself to put stuff up 
on and got insistent and and I will finally follow through with making sure what's going on around the state actually gets put up on the state website so people can see where to go find things to do. Get with me, Desiree. We will. Yeah, I think. Uh huh. <laughs> and, and you know, maybe we need to have somebody willing. You know, maybe somebody wants to step up and get a hold of us on the board and stuff. You know, maybe we need somebody who makes sure to get stuff posted on Facebook in our Facebook group too. Um, I know Darian and Mona have been great about sharing stuff on there, and I try to on occasion. So, you know, if we have somebody out there that's really into Facebook and would like to really, you know, utilize that, I know a lot of people do that um, too. I'm so. looking at Tyann. I'm looking at you of too, course, Tyan. Of course. <laughs> Not that the rest of us can't do that, but you know, you know, these are some great tools that um, we could use um, with volunteers willing to step up. So awesome, awesome. You know, I, I must admit, Desiree, I, I actually texted, I'll admit to you guys, I texted Desiree when she was doing her storytelling in that uh in that session there. It's like great storytelling. I just loved listening to it. <laughs> oh, good. Yay. <laughs> Yay. It was so much fun. And oh, I had to write down notes on things to, you know, work on. And, um, you know, I love the discussion about the mentorship mentoring program. And I know there's been talk on the national level. There's been talk in other areas and Hey, precursor to our banquet speaker tonight. I heard him mention something about maybe talking about the importance of finding mentors. So, Hey, we'll see what Hobie comes up with at six. Um, so, so we just have a couple of things and then we're going to end up taking a break until, um, right before six when Dr. Hobie Wedler rejoins us. Um, we have our second reading of the nominations for officers and our second re- reading of the proposed bylaw change. So if uh, Deb Cook-Lewis, if you can get those things queued up and running, that'd be great. That's Jeff's department. Oh, Jeff's department. Sorry, wrong person. <laughs> hey, Jeff, thanks. You're great. My name is James Edwards, immediate past president of the American Council of Blind of Oregon. I'm presenting the slate of officers for this year's elections. For president, Carrie Muth. For first vice president, Leonard Kokel, incumbent, challenged by Tyann Walmouth. Second vice president, John Hamill. Secretary, Cassie Trosper. Treasurer, Sue Swap. That's a list of nominees from the nominating committee for you to vote on for state officers. Thank you to Teresa Christian and Mona Huntley for being part of this process. Current bylaw, bylaw nine, scheduling annual membership meetings. The membership may at the October annual meeting set the date, time, and place of its next annual meeting. Should the membership fail to schedule this event, the executive board shall determine the date, time, and place of the meeting. Proposed bylaw. Bylaw 9, Scheduling Annual Membership Meetings. Annual membership meetings shall be set biannually. The membership may, at each subsequent October annual meeting, set the time, date, and place of the next two annual meetings. Should the membership fail to schedule these events, the Executive Board shall determine the date, 
time and place of the meetings. Great. Thanks so much. And those um, couple things will be dealt with tomorrow in our membership meeting. And so on our agenda, it says announcements and door prizes. So we'll let uh, little Abby get ready here in just a second. The only announcements I have is, you know, we'll be back at um, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Um, well, we'll have Dr. Hobie Wedler talk. Um, and after that, we're going to have a thing about our ACB of Oregon scholarship winner, followed by our history thing. So somebody can win a $200 gift card. And after that, tonight, we will go to our ACB of our after party. After party. After, after party. party. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun. And actually, tonight, we, we have Tyann and Desiree hosting. Last night, Cassie was in there quite a bit. And tonight, we're going to hear more of Tyann and Desiree. So that'll be awesome. Ooh. Diane for VP. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do two door prizes. Honey, go get your bucket. Go get your numbers. <laughs> yes, again. We actually have a guest here with us, too. Aaron is here visiting for baseball and football. Oh, Abby's going to let Aaron pick a number. Ooh, Ooh. so fortunate. <laughs> Abby, Abby's sharing her, uh, her door prize. Uh, All right. And, and this door prize is the, the shirt from Whole Foundation and two stemless wine glasses. Ooh. Let's see if Aaron can read my writing. <laughs> Number 22. 22. 22. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be double checking Aaron's. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Sue, are you here? I am. I had to unmute. Oh, okay. <laughs> is Bob Johnson of Willamette Chapter. Ooh, awesome. Awesome. And we'll get him information to contact Whole Foundation about the size and style of shirt. Yeah. So this next, the, la the last one to draw tonight, because we're going to save the other few for tomorrow, is a mystery grab bag from ACB of Oregon. Ooh. All right. What do we got there, Dr. Coiner? <laughs> Number three. Number three. Yeah. Ooh, number three is Michael Babcock. Mike, he no, won, he, hey, no, he won last night. Yeah, he won. What did you do, child? We already did three, I think. Well, Draw another again. one, Abby. Try another one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good thing we're tracking. <laughs> right? Take that one out. Maybe she she accidentally put that one back in the bucket list. Yeah, right? probably. Okay. All right, let's try number 31. 31. Yeah. Keep the three out of one. 31 is Janine Leah from Florida. Oh. From Florida? Wow. Janine Lee. Nice. Way to go, Janine. Wow. Awesome. All right. All right. Does anybody else have any other last minute announcements they'd like to make before we break? <laughs> All right. Hearing none, come back at six. I have my, oh, I don't know what you guys are eating for the banquet. My daughter went and ran a food run and uh, oh, the Korean food place wasn't answering and the steak place. So I have uh, I have shake and burger for dinner. Not exactly what I was looking forward to, but the positive thing is uh, my son picked up a shift there tonight. So he got to make sure mom's order was correct. <laughs> Yay. 
<laughs> Yay! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the oh, 67th annual ACBO convention. I would also like to welcome you to the goodie bag portion of convention. This is where I am going to help you unbag your goodie bag if you haven't already unbagged your goodie bag. My name is Cassie Trosper, and I am the current interim secretary for ACB of Oregon. And I will just jump right into the unbagging of the goodie bag. So if you've got your goodie bag, it is in a stringed backpack. There are a bunch of different colors that it comes in. I did not pick and choose colors for people. So if you just happen to get your favorite color, you're welcome. If not, so sorry. So if you open your goodie bag, probably the first thing you're going to run into is this big, it's about the size of a piece of computer paper. It's got these extra long rectangles in it, and it is a full-page writing guide. This was one of the donations from the Oregon Commission for the Blind. It does have... It does have the capabilities to fit over a full piece of paper, um, and the little spaces are where you would write in the lines or whatever you decide to write. Our next item you're probably going to run into is a water bottle. And if you shake it, there's some stuff in there. So the bottle itself was donated from the Coos County Emergency Management Office, and the bottle says Coos County Sheriff Department. So that was awesome of them to do this donation for us. So if you open your bottle, I set this up. Most of us that live in the Pacific Northwest and the West, we have what's called a go bag. So I set this up as a go bottle. So you have your water bottle, and if you start emptying some stuff out of there, probably the first thing that's going to fall out is a hand sanitizer. So this is on a carabiner, as um, our president likes to call it. I call it a D-ring. And it also has one of the spray tops. And if you feel the one side, there is a label on there. So I had a friend of mine make labels that say 67th Annual ACB of Oregon Convention. It's got our date, which is October 22nd through 24th. And it has our theme, which is... Thriving past, present, and beyond. That's pretty cool. We can all use a good sanitizer um, nowadays with uh, the craziness of COVID. So the next two things that fall out are two little things. Yours are going to be in a package. I have not taken mine out of the package either. So you're going to have a safety whistle. And then we're going to have the little rectangular flat thing that's got the key ring thing on it is a key ring flashlight. So both these are good if you're out and about, if there's an emergency, or you just feel safer with a whistle. Just in case, the flashlight works really good. Um, Abby actually tested one of them out, so they work pretty fantastic. And the last thing is two little bitty, it is not candy. Please don't try to eat them. (laughs) They are stapled together. They are expandable washcloths, and they do literally feel like two little pieces of candy. They're round like little peppermints, but if you put them in some water, they're going to expand to a full-size washcloth. So those are pretty cool items. So that is our Go Bottle. I'm going to set that to the side. Next thing you're going to find in your goodie bag 
is I'm going to go ahead and pull this one out. There's a couple of things you could pull out, but there is a rectangular zippy bag. And in your zippy bag, you are going to find a couple of writing guides, more writing guides. So you are going to have a envelope writing guide. So if you hold it, you're going to have some shorter lines on the top left, and you are going to have your longer lines on the bottom right, which helps you address an envelope. It'll address envelopes. I print all my envelope labels off. So but it's still helpful to have that just in case you need to address a quick envelope. The second one is going to be a smaller rectangular-ish writing guide, and this is a check writing guide. So it just, it lines up just nicely on your checks. I don't write checks very often, but these are very nice to have. So that way you know where your lines are, your spaces are, where you're addressing it, putting your date, your amount, all that kind of good stuff. And your third writing guide, which I think most of us have these, are a signature card. So it's the size of a business card, and it's got the rectangular middle open. So you have someone put it over where you sign. That way you know where you're signing at, and you don't have to have someone guide your hand or whatever your options may be for filling things out. So these are also with the full-page writing guide that were donated from the Oregon Commission for the Blind. So that is that. The next thing you're going to find is this really big, long, rectangular-ish box. It does have the capabilities. I have not figured out how to open these yet. I'm so sorry. Um, I have not used one of these, but it is a pill box. It's a weekly pill box. It's a Sunday through Saturday. It does have Braille on it. Um, and it's just a really big pill box that you can use for travel or at home, whatever you decide. You can even use it for, like, if you're traveling, you want to separate your jewelry or, or something. It is totally big enough for that. And this was also donated by the Oregon Commission for the Blind. So probably the next thing you'll run into is this little rolled up. It's a slat bracelet. So if you pull it out all the way, um, there is going to be a little tab in there that you pull out and then it lights up. So this is kind of like the, I think it's the exact same slat bracelet we had in our goodie bags last year. So it has the constant on button i believe a slow beep and a fast bleep so i think it has the sos beep or or what that might be called and so you can put that on you or you can put it on if you have a guide dog guide dog harness you can put it on a backpack so it's just another one of those identifying markers um that can be used if you're walking when there's low light the next thing you might find there is a little bitty zippy bag like a little bitty cute zippy bag Set that to the side for now because this is going to make a lot more sense once I'm actually done with the goodie bag. So that's got some things in there that's going to make a lot more sense. There is a ball in here. So this is a stress ball. It is galaxy themed. I think it goes with our beyond portion of our theme. And I had someone tell me that uh, I should put two stress balls in here because usually if we're using a stress ball, somebody's getting on our nerves. So we need one for ourselves and another to throw at somebody. No, I'm not promoting violence, but I thought that was a little funny. So, so yeah, so this is a galaxy themed stress ball. This was donated to us on behalf of Abby, my little person. She's a junior member of our Southwestern chapter and she, 
she thought everybody needed a stress ball. So you can you can thank Miss Abby for your stress ball and helping you relieve some of your stress. All right. So the next thing you're going to find, and I knew this is going to be an exciting option for people. If you got our goodie bag last year, you got a fidget spinner. Um, so I think your guys's are still going to be in the package. I took mine out because Abby had to try it just to make sure it works good. So this is a fidget spinner. Uh, it has the three little arms, but you're also going to fill these little puppet, like little puppet bubbles on it. So this is a fidget spinner and a puppet in one. So if you don't want to spin it, you can sit there and pop the bubbles back and forth. Um, and Abby has already claimed the one in my goodie bag. So when I get done with this, um, that one, this one will be making its way into her possession. So I don't get a fidget. She's got like 12 of them. So Next, we have we have two, two more, three more things in our goodie bag. So the bigger of the three, this is the same first aid kit that we had in our goodie bags last year. Uh, mine is not open. Um, I wanted to leave mine closed just so I could make sure I'm nothing got lost or came out of it. Um, but it has the bigger and little safety pen. It has your ointments. Um, it does have a little razor blade in there. So if you do have to use it, it is in like a little sheath. Um, so it's not just a random razor blade that's um, that's down in there. But just be aware of that. Um, if you're kind of going through it and you feel like this little thing in a little paper, it is a razor blade. Um, but there's band-aids um, and all kinds of other little goodies in there. I'm not going to open that just for sake. All right. Our last two things. The bigger one, it's in the little wrapper, is a pack of gum that was donated by the Coos Bay Walmart. The only thing in your goodie bag that is edible, it's, and if you smell it, well, it did have kind of a mint flavor. I think they've been in the goodie bags for so long you can't smell the mint smell anymore. But once you open that, it's got the, the gum in there, and you can have fun with that and Enjoy that maybe during convention or if you're bored, you can chew some gum and play with your fidget. I don't know. The last thing, and then we'll get back to that other little little zippy bag thing. So make sure you have your little zippy bag handy. This thing is the size of a credit card, and it's hard. Um, if you take it out, be careful. One of the sides are a little sharp. I don't know if it would really, it helps kind of. But this is a credit card multi-tool. So you've got different options for like opening bottles. Um, you can pop, pop bottles one way. You can open little round bottles. I have not used this. So this is something that Carrie bought. Um, but it is a, a little, a, a great option for being able to just help open different things and do things. And I keep the little, I did go through and switch all of those around. So you aren't going to hit the, the pokey part, hopefully not hurt yourself and stuff like that. So. So that is good to keep in um, in there. And all right, so that is everything in the goodie bag. So if you find your little zippy bag, it'll be about, if you set, hold it sideways, it's a little smaller than a, a business card size, kind of like a rectangular-ish. So in here, there are four things. So the first thing is a rectangular-shaped paper, and it's got like a little round disc in it. That is a extra battery for your slot bracelet. So I know last year they were in the bottom and we're like, what the heck are these? So I left them in their paper just so they're easier to find. And then I put them in this little zippy bag. So that is a extra, extra battery for your slot bracelet. 
So this other, um, it's kind of like a, a cylinder shape. Um, it has a pop top. So if you can hear that, it pops. Um, this is another option for your hand sanitizer. So if you would prefer not to have the spray nozzle for your sanitizer, you can unscrew this one and you can put your, your pop top on there. So you don't have to have the spray. That gives you a second option um, for your hand sanitizer. All right, two more things in here. All right. So you're going to find this big ring. Um, it is a key ring. This goes with your credit card size multi-tool. So if you want to keep it on your keychain or if you want to put it on a backpack, if you have a workspace that you want to hang it up somewhere, this, there's a little hole in one of the corners of the credit card multi-tool thing, and it will slide right in there, and then you have the key ring option. And the last thing is an extra carabiner. I do like saying that word. Carrie introduced me to that word because I did not know that was another word for a D-ring. We used a lot of these when I was in the Army. Um, it just helps hook things to things. Like if you have a guide dog, you can hook something to the harness. Um, you can hook something to a backpack, hook your cane to your purse. That's what I do. Um, I have one of these on my cane. So when I do need to fold it up, hook it onto my purse, or I can hook it onto a backpack. That way I don't have to worry about singing, sitting it down and forgetting about it. Cause yes, I'm still learning my cane and yes, I have left it sitting a couple of places. And then when I'm bumping into things, I go, so that is everything in our goodie bag. Um, hopefully all of you guys have received your goodie bag. Um, maybe if you haven't received it just yet, I would give it some time. If it hasn't came in within a, a reasonable amount of time and you did pay your membership, not membership, your registration fee before October 5th for convention, let, please let us know that you did not receive your goodie bag within a reasonable amount of time. Don't wait until next year's convention to let us know you didn't get your goodie bag. Um, but we will try to get you a goodie bag if you, you paid your registration and you still haven't gotten your goodie bag within, I would say, like a week or two of convention. Um, also, if you have any questions, I will be in the ACBO Zoom after hours group tonight. And I would be happy to answer any questions you might have about your goodie bag. If you need help with anything, if you need clarification. I will be there and I will be happy to help. So once again, thank you for joining us for your Unbag Your Goodie Bag 